Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Art Monaro Niles. He makes vivid, brightly hued paintings that expand our understanding of traditional genre painting and portraiture. Arquinaro's paintings, though intensely personal and autobiographical, engage in universal subjects of domestic and family life while also making reference to numerous art historical predecessors. Though drawing from many styles and genres, he is particularly inspired by the paintings that 16th century Italian painter Caravaggio created of daily life through representations of his family and friends, and depicting not only people close to him, but the places and times they inhabit. Arc creates his own record of contemporary life. He has attended several residency programs, including Guild Hall's residency in East Hampton and Skowhegan's School of Painting and Sculpture. Ark has been in several group shows and has also had several solo exhibitions at Long Gallery in Harlem, the Rachel Uffner Gallery, and Lehman Malpin Gallery, both in New York City. Ark has received several awards and is in public collections that include the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Art, the Studio Museum of Harlem, the Perez Art Museum in Miami, the Hammer Museum, to name a few. Ark Manile Niles is currently represented by Lehman Malpin, and he resides in Brooklyn, New York. Enjoy this episode featuring Ark Manile Niles. Ark, welcome to my podcast. I am excited to feature you. It's sort of long overdue. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. When did you discover your artistic passion? Yeah, I don't know. I think like most kids, I just always sat around drawing cartoons, you know, Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z. And that was really the only thing that kind of held my attention. I just kept doing it. And is, was there like a particular body of work or artist that influenced you once you started to develop your creativity? Yeah, in, in high school, Rothko and Caravaggio were big influences on me. I like Rothko because of the emotion he wanted you to get from his colors and the sizes of his canvas. And then Caravaggio, his light, but also kind of how he ins- inserted different aspects of his life into most of his paintings, especially the last one he did with David and Goliath, where he was kind of in a way asking for forgiveness. I know that painting always stayed with me. Hmm. Yeah, his work is interesting and sort of dark. How would you define your practice? Define? Um... I don't know. I don't really think about it much. Honestly, I just kind of get up and I get going. When I'm, when I'm done, I'm done. I don't really have like a set <laughs> sort of way of doing it, really. 
So when you decide to start working, does anything overcome you? Well, okay. So when I decide, when I'm, when I think of a painting, it usually starts with like a question or something I have because a lot of it's based on memories or, and so me sort of thinking about, you know, why something happened the way it did or, you know, I recently did a painting of my sort of cabinet area and I was like, oh, my cabinet looks different this year. Like what's happened in my life that's changed, you know? And so a lot of my paintings sort of start with the question and uh, I kind of go from there. Are, are your memories reflected in all your work or are there concepts that connect your work? A lot of it's memories because they're based on experiences or, you know, things friends told me about, you know, different things I've been through. But I think in terms of like concepts, painting has always sort of been a way for me to, you know, approach these topics. I felt like I couldn't really talk about growing up, like how to deal with like aging and loneliness and heartbreak and love and stuff like that. Do you think your audience understands your work? When they look at your work, they connect? Uh, yeah, but I think a lot of my paintings, it's like a two-way street almost because I want you to feel like you're a part of it. And so I think since because I'm talking about like just life, like what it feels like to be alive today, a lot of people come to the painting with their own history and they may get something else out of it that, you know, I wasn't necessarily thinking about in the moment. And do you think about the audience while you're working? Not really. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when I'm making it, I'm the audience. Right. And so like, I'm thinking about me walking into this situation I've been in again, or sort of me walking into like a living room or something. So it has to sort of feel like I'm there for me. And like, that also has to do with like how the paint's put down. And it has to, I have to feel like I'm interested because if I'm not, no one else is going to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And what materials do you use in your work? I use acrylic paint, oil paint, and a little bit of glitter. Mm-hmm. What does your studio look and feel like? Uh, my studio is actually, I don't know, I think it's kind of boring, really. <laughs> Everything's sort of... <laughs> neat and in its place is not one of these like really exciting studios where you can go in and you know see like a bunch of the process like right there on the floor on the walls and do you listen to music while you're working Nah, not really sometimes i'll have something on on the radio in the background but usually i'm just sort of sitting there and quiet a little bit just thinking about stuff and on that note you know i found your titles very interesting so, so when did the titles enter the creative process? Sometimes before, sometimes while I'm working on it, I'll be listening to a podcast or a radio. I, sometimes I'll just be watching a TV show and somebody will say something that kind of sits with me. And then um, I'll write it down and just kind of mix it with other stuff I got and hang on to it for a while. And, or vice versa, I already have it, then I'll match it to a painting. Well, sometimes I'll hear something that reminds me of an image, and I'll start there. Ark, in your work, I am intrigued by those little creatures and stick figures. Can you share with us, what do those mean? Well, so when I first started painting them, I did this painting in my last year in grad school. I saw this Egyptian fertility sculpture at the Brooklyn Museum. And I was really fascinated by it. And I really liked the forms, but also like how it was really playful. And it was just sort of this orgy scene, but it was talking about life and death and rebirth and sex. And so 
you know, I really liked how they were using this like little playful thing to describe the world around them. And so I just started putting that into my paintings. And then like over time, the images I was using got further and further away from it. So you can't really tell where it came from, but that's where it started. And I wanted to have this sort of more playful creature in the paintings, you know, doing sort of mischievous things to kind of hint at things that were going on in the painting that weren't really there. And I was thinking like the first time that I actually called them seekers, I did this like painting of my mom like outside the porch of my house, you know, and I was just thinking about, she was always really nervous about me going too far from the porch and, you know, stay where I can see you and stuff like that. And so I just started thinking about how, like, even though nothing was going on, like immediate area, there were things that she was thinking about that she was worried about that was there. So that was like a way for me to sort of represent these other things that were going on that I couldn't really see, you know, mm-hmm. so things like kind of happen to you and stay with you. And so that's kind of what that was. And how do collectors or, or people that view your work, how, do they ask you about them? Yeah, they ask me about them. Some, you know, I think because it is a little, is different. I think the juxtaposition for me was like very interesting. And, you know, so it does catch your eye, but like a lot of times people don't see them. And I think sometimes people get it. Sometimes people don't. I remember one of the first paintings I did was like this playground painting. It was like these kids hanging out in the playground, but it was called the classroom. And I was just thinking about how I don't really remember, you know, what I learned in the classroom in the second or third grade. But those lessons I sort of learned on the playground, those are the things that sort of stay with me, you know, like how to interact with people, you know, how to talk to other kids and stuff like that. That So that was, I feel like I learned more there, you know? And so in that painting, I had them around and that was also kind of where I saw, it's not kind of, it's actually... It's like where I saw one of my first condoms was like this used condom hanging out there. So I had like some of the seekers like around this like other sculptural thing that looked very much like a condom. I remember when someone looked at the painting, he was all my playground was just like that. And then we ended up talking about. So sometimes I feel like people understand it. Sometimes people don't. But I feel like it gets people asking questions, even if they don't. But I think a lot of like I was also thinking about having all these different things come together to like get a certain feeling across to get you into the painting, you know? So you got the the colors, the figures, you got these seekers, but then you got the title and the title of the show. And I think you can go as far as you want. You know, you can just stop there at the image or you can like look further, you know? And so all these things kind of come together. And I think after you sort of look at all of them, you kind of can piece different things about the art. I also noticed that there's a, a certain orange or color mm. from the orange family that is dominant and has been dominant in your work for quite a while. Can you comment on that? Yeah, so I think we talked about Rocco earlier, right? So I've always been really fascinated by color. And when I first started painting people, you know, instead of like portraits, instead of using black and white, I did like purple and white. <laughs> and uh, so that was just something I was always interested in. And when I started painting more realistically and doing self-portraits or portraits of my grandfather, I was always disappointed in the color of the flesh tones. And I felt like it was too brown and there was more color that I wasn't getting. And so for a while, I was playing around with different grounds. So I would start with like a red ground and then build up with browns and try to have the red shine through, but that didn't really work either. And my last year in grad school, I actually stopped painting people because I was 
disappointed in what, you know, what I was doing. And um, it felt like months, but realistically, you know, semester short. So it probably was only one month. And then when I came back to it, I got more comfortable letting more of the ground show through and using less of the brown. And my first year outside of grad school, at this time, I was like printing out photos and painting from the photos from the printer or whatever. And um, this one particular image I had of myself looked very orange. And I thought, you know, why not start with the color and add the brown later because adding brown didn't work, right? So I started with orange and I only used the colors I liked, like red, uh, yellows and purples and golden tones. And my plan was to add the brown later. But when I got to that point, it didn't need it. And so I just, I just left it. And, and I don't know, for some reason it felt more realistic than it did when I was pushing for fake skin. You know? mm-hmm. I like the orange. I think it's, uh, it's easier to be curious about the orange than it would be about brown. Yeah. So how do you keep learning? How do I keep learning? I don't know if I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I keep making the same mistakes. Now, honestly, I, I don't know. I get bored a lot. And so sometimes I just kind of find myself doing things or thinking about stuff. And some of it's kind of silly. Like last night, I don't know what I, I even got on, but I saw something where I saw they was printing steaks with the machine, you know, like they, they saw how to get the proteins and the fat ratios right and they can print it from a computer. And then I was thinking, why can't they just make water? So I was looking into that. And so sometimes a lot of it be just, just me think about something and follow in and see where it goes. But I don't know, maybe that's sort of the best way to learn. You know, I feel like in school, that's kind of how I learned anyway. Like I tried to, you know, our history class, they'll put you in a certain section and you have to like memorize that, write a paper on it. But I never really learned that way. I found that when I got to a section that I was interested in, I'll read that and then that would take me somewhere else, you know, and I wouldn't necessarily go in the order that uh, I was supposed to. If you weren't a visual artist, what other career path do you think you would have followed? Um, I don't know. I mean, the longest job I've had, I worked at Ben & Jerry's. So maybe by now I would have worked my way up to manager. Um, <laughs> that's a joke, but, um, <laughs> but thanks for letting. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I think, I think, yeah, I probably would be, you know, waiting tables or working at Ben and Jerry's or, or the restaurant, but, and still just trying to figure out how to be an artist, you know, or like still painting and trying to figure out how to be able to be an artist full time, you know? And what do you enjoy most about being an artist? I don't know. I guess the fact that. I mean, I'm just doing something that I've been doing since I was a kid that I that I enjoy and I get to challenge myself on my own terms and my own ways. And when I think about it, I'm like, I'm basically just drawing in a sketchbook <laughs> still, you know? Mm-hmm. And has your practice changed over the years? Um, not so much. I think a lot of things I, to me, feel the same. And I think the thing that's probably changed the most is uh, I feel like maybe I'm more confident in what I paint or and also like what I decide not to paint. But I think maybe the biggest thing is I'm more open and honest about, you know, subjects or whatever. I, I remember when I was in school, I was, uh, you know, clearly painting about, you know, myself and my friends, but I was all sort of hidden behind 
oh, this is, you know, some Greek allegory. This is about Zeus and his wife or something, you know what I mean? And I never would be like, oh, yeah, no, this is, this is me, you know? Hiding. It's easy to hide. It's also a comfortable place for some of us. Yeah, yeah. What are you excited about now? Um, right now, I think, you know, I'm having my first solo show in London in November. You know, I've never been to London and I've never had a show there. And so I'm really looking forward to going. I'm thinking about calling this show, you know, I used to love you, but now I don't think I can. There ain't no right way to say goodbye again. I feel like, you know, there's been a lot of changes over the last few years. And, I, and I've said goodbye to quite a few things like places, people, habits. And uh, that's, that's what the show's about. So those themes, right? Are they, are they reflected in the work that will be included in the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are the titles similar? Yeah, yeah. And I think they sort of direct you to what it, what's what. Like, you know, I moved and, you know, my, um, my dad passed away. So stuff like that. I also noticed that you departed a bit from figurative work and you did some uh, landscape. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, last year was my first time doing a landscape, I guess, as a career. But um, actually, in high school, that's all I painted. Um, I would get home from school and um, I would uh, watch Bob Ross on YouTube and I would just paint landscapes. I was always really fascinated how good he was at it. And I just kind of got back to it last year. I don't know. I just never really felt like something I wanted to do. But also, I never spent a lot of time in nature until I guess it was 2018. I kind of wanted to capture how I felt there, you know, in the land. And so this year I have one, this kind of a landscape is from, it's like a view of the park in my old neighborhood, like looking over the water. And when you, when you paint that type of work, do your choice, this choice of color change? No, I think my, my choice of colors somewhat stay the same. It depends. Um, this is a little bit of like a sunset painting. And so it's a little darker, but my palette hasn't changed much, I don't think. But what has changed from the show, I actually don't have um, any of the seekers in any of these paintings. Well, why not? <laughs> I don't know. It just, uh, it just didn't feel necessary. I think part of it was because I think the titles have gotten so specific that it just felt like I was doubling down on, you know, just fly overboard. Mm -hmm. But I don't never really, I'm not someone that like just throws something away. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll, they'll be back. Yeah, I, I think they're a great accent. They do take your mind or your brain in a, in a different direction. I do appreciate this conversation we're having very much. And this is going to be our last question. What do you feel is the purpose of art? And what is your role? The purpose of art? I do not know. I think for me, art has always been a way to connect to people. You know, I think in my normal everyday life, I'm pretty shy, I'm kind of quiet, but um, painting has really been a way for me to, like I said, you know, connect to people that may have been feeling something I've been feeling and been through something that I've been through that, you know, I can put out on the canvas and uh, we can go from there. And what's your role? Uh, uh, my role? Your role. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as, as an artist, as an artist, what do you want to leave with us? What do you want to leave to future generations? Uh, you know, I was thinking about I don't know, but I, okay, so what I want to leave that sort of hit a, a memory when I was in, um, right after high school, the doctor thought I had cancer. 
<laughs> and um, I don't know why, but it took them like three months to figure it out. And then that whole time, I just rem- remember feeling like I was going to die and I haven't done anything in my life and I was a loser. And honestly, that that whole time I just painted, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's silly, but I wanted to like leave behind something that kind of showed how I lived and how I felt. And I think that's the first time I kind of took art seriously. I don't know. So I guess that's something I want to leave behind, you know. It's a lot for a young person to go through. Your, your work is great. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram. 